I'm going into the new year starting a series called I Love Church. If I didn't love church, I wouldn't be here today, that's for sure. Amen. I love church. How many of y'all love church? Amen. 18 of you. That's all right. I'm going to hook up with y'all. Amen. I love church. Church is a good thing. Come on, y'all help me. Tell somebody church is a good thing. Why is church a good thing? Because church is God's idea. Jesus established the church so we don't have to do this on our own, right? Don't try this on your own. Jesus established the church for our sakes and for the sake of the world. And we're going to talk about the purpose of the church in the coming weeks. But here's an inconvenient truth. Church would be perfect if it wasn't for the people. Lord have mercy. Come on, just look at your neighbor and say, I see what it means. <laughs> oh, I set you up, didn't I? Church was perfect till you showed up this morning. Do you know that? But without people, there could be no church. Because people are the church. The church is not a corporation. The church is not a building. The church is not a social organization. The Bible says in 1 Peter 2, 5, that we are being built up a house of living stones. Can I get an amen? amen? So if you believe that, tell somebody sitting around you, we are the church. Amen. The Bible tells us God's plan for the church, but sometimes, unfortunately, we fall short of God's standard for what church ought to be. And it's my heart that we here at GC would be the kind of church God wants us to be. Not the kind of church we want, but the kind of church he wants. Can I, can I let y'all in on a secret? I only gave you half of my sermon title. You want to know the rest of it? Here's the whole message. I love church, but I hate the hypocrite. <laughs> I don't know about you, but some of the worst hurt in my life has been from church people. You don't have to raise your hands. But I think we've all been there. Come on. This is an issue I want to deal with today because it happens far more than it should. Too many people get hurt in church. Church was designed by God to be a place of healing, not a place of pain. It's a problem that plagued the early church in the book of Acts. It's a problem that's still with us today. And I can trace it back to one word, hypocrites. That word hypocrite comes from the Greek word Hippocrates, which means an actor. In other words, a hypocrite is somebody who is a pretender. They might talk like Jesus, but they don't act like Jesus. That's what a hypocrite is. I don't want you to be naive. I want to help you. There are hypocrites in every church. I heard a pastor say one time, one out of three church members is a hypocrite. So look left and look right. And if it's not them, uh-oh, it just might be you. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. Okay. I, I know we don't have any hypocrites in this church, but just in case, uh, uh, I'm going to do a sermon on it today. This is just a precaution. <laughs> Many people look at the godlessness in this generation today in America, and many people have tried to explain the reason why young people aren't going to church, and some have said because we've taken prayer out of schools, but I have another theory. I don't think it's necessarily the absence of prayer in school. I think the problem is more the absence of the love of God in the church. Because people are drawn 
to men and women whose hearts are overflowing with the love of God. People are drawn to men and women of compassion and mercy. The Bible says it's the goodness of God that draws us to repentance. The word of God tells us in Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. To me, that's a basic definition of what a Christian is. If you're mean and hateful to people, you're not saved. Can't be. You can't claim to love God in heaven if you don't love your fellow man. There's a whole lot of people in church. They're clean, but mean. Let me tell you something. Hate goes to hell. Y'all love me, huh? You still love me? Yeah? Uh Uh-huh. Hate goes to hell. So don't try to tell me you're a child of the Most High God if you can't even show love and compassion to your fellow man. Hate goes to hell, so don't go with it. Uh, oh, child of God, we got to separate ourselves from hatred if we're going to make it into heaven. <laughs> we wonder why this generation is walking away from church. Young people are drawn to people who truly follow Jesus. In other words, they, they've got to see Jesus in your life if this thing's going to work. Because there's a powerful magnetism to Jesus. When you truly let the light of Jesus shine through your life, people will be drawn to that. They're going to do one of two things. They're going to hate you or they're going to love you. Come on. It's all right. It's quiet in this Lutheran church today. I don't know what it is, but, but when you've got the peace of God in your life that comes from Jesus, there's a joy in your heart that you can't find anywhere in the world. And when people recognize that in your life, they won't be drawn to you. And sometimes this is how it starts. They cuss you out. Oh, here comes John the Baptist bringing his Bible to work. Talk to scriptures all the time. Oh, this is that holy roller, huh? Make fun of you, tease you. But when they go through something in their life, who's the one they go to? Say, will you please pray for me? Because when you've got the real thing in your heart, people know it. Mm-hmm. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. When you truly lift up the name of Jesus in your life, when you truly exalt him as Lord over your life, he's going to draw people to the, not to you, to the Jesus inside of you. People are drawn to those who show the love of God. But nothing will push people away faster than someone who looks holy on the outside. But they're full of pride and envy on the inside. Jesus said you're like whitewashed tombs. You look good on the outside, but ain't nothing but death on the inside. People today are asking the question, why should I believe in Jesus when so many Christians are hypocrites? And sometimes, y'all, they have a valid point. How many of you have ever, just show of hands, just be honest, how many of you ever had to deal with hypocrites in church? Uh Uh-huh, I know, that was the church y'all used to go to, right? (laughs) Oh, man, some of us have dealt with them in the workplace. I think about when I was in college, I used to work at a music store in the summertime. I used to work at a music store in Wilson, North Carolina, and the manager of this store had the filthiest mouth. 
not just curse words, but perverted. He would say some of the most perverted things I have ever heard. I mean, just nasty stuff. Constantly. Stuff that comedians wouldn't even say on TV these days. Y'all know that's bad, because <laughs> they'll say anything. I mean, just nasty, disgusting things. And he kept a Bible on his desk every day. Stuff like that makes me sick. And I was a fully devoted, on fire, Holy Ghost filled Christian. Imagine the message that sends to unbelievers. To people who are on the fence saying, Jesus, are you real? We got a problem with hypocrites. We've all dealt with them at some point. Maybe it's the church leader who preaches purity but commits adultery. Maybe it's the neighbor who's always inviting you to go to church with them, but in the middle of the invitation, they start gossiping about the whole neighborhood. Maybe it's a coworker who brags about being a Christian, yet they're so judgmental and condescending and condemning towards everybody they work with. Truth is, hypocrisy is all around us. And when you come face to face with a hypocrite, I want you to remember this. Jesus dealt with them too. If you have a problem with hypocrites, you are in good company because Jesus and you agree on that. In fact, next time you talk to a friend who says, you know what, I, I don't want to go to church because of all the hypocrites, you can tell them, you know what, you have a problem with hypocrites, Jesus had a problem with hypocrites. Matthew 23, 25, he said, woe to you, he's calling them out, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you clean the outside of the cup and the dish. In other words, you care about the outward appearance, but inside you're full of greed and self-indulgence. In other words, they had the attitude of, I'm going to use God to get what I want instead of letting God use me to get what he wants. We've got to be aware of that attitude, church. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee. First clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will also be clean. It, that's God's process. We get it backwards, church. We try to clean people up from the outside in, but God cleans us from the inside out. I might look a little rough and talk a little rough and act a little rough, but God is working on me on the inside. And if he's working on the inside, it's going to work its way to the outside. Woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which are beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. When a church gets caught up on appearance, two things always come, death and uncleanness. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. In verse, three, verse 33, Jesus says, You snakes, you brood of vipers, how will you escape being condemned to hell? Look how strong of a warning Jesus gives to these hypocrites. Jesus hates hypocrisy. He hates hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. 
Here's what we do. We keep our eyes on Jesus. We have to. Because hypocrisy is terrible. I hate it. I hate it more than anything on this planet. How do we keep going? We look to Jesus. I wish I could tell you you'll never have to deal with a hypocrite, but I cannot make you that promise. I wish I could have a, uh, an inquisition and purge the church of all the hypocrites, but I can't do that. This is the answer to hypocrisy. Keep your focus on Jesus. Jesus is the only example who will never disappoint us. Hebrews 4.15 says that Jesus was tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Jesus himself, when he was on trial before his crucifixion, he confronted his accusers and said, which of you can truthfully accuse me of sin? Jesus lived a sinless life. He was not an actor. He was not a pretender. He was not a hypocrite. He wasn't as the real deal. You may have put your faith in a so-called Christian and been disappointed. But the Bible says in Romans 10, 11, whoever believes in him will never be disappointed. Listen, church is messy, y'all. I don't know if you've noticed that. Anybody notice? I've noticed that. I grew up in church. I was a preacher's kid. I, I've seen just about everything. Church is messy. Church is not perfect, but the point of the church is Jesus, and Jesus is worth it. Ruth Graham, Billy Graham's wife, was traveling through India when a young man named Pashti said to her, Mrs. Graham, the people of India would like to believe in Christ, but we've never seen a Christian who was truly like Jesus. Her response was so profound. She said, I'm not offering you Christians. I'm offering you Christ. Christianity can't save you. No pastor, no Christian, only Jesus can and I've got something to tell, tell you this morning, and, and I hope that openness will set somebody free today. Not everybody who claims to be a Christian really is. Think about it. Jesus had 12 disciples, and even one of them was a devil. <laughs> Jesus has his church members, and Satan has his church members too. I ain't talking about the church of Satan. I'm talking about he's got people in church that he plants to cause division and stir up trouble. I heard about a little country church. It was a Sunday morning, and the church was packed. And all of a sudden, this eerie smoke filled the church. And, and, and boom, Satan appeared right there in the altar. And everybody ran out of this little church except this little old man sitting on the third row. And he came to the old man. And he said, sir, do you know who I am? He said, yeah, I know who you are. He said, well, why aren't you afraid of me? He said, I've been married to your sister 45 years. Why would I be scared of you? <laughs> Jesus has his church members and the devil has his. You need to understand that not everybody who claims to be a Christian and not everybody who goes to church is truly a child of God. Look at the religious rulers that Jesus confronted in Matthew 23. They were running the whole thing. These were the elite of the religious community. And Jesus said, you're empty. You're full of dead men's bones. And there are plenty of people today who are playing the same game. The Bible says in Titus uh, chapter 1, such people claim to know God, but they deny him by the way they live. Once we understand that not everybody who claims to be a Christian is actually following, following Jesus, 
It will help us. And it can help our friends to stop blaming the Christian faith for something that faithless people do. I truly believe that we can help people and reach more people for Jesus if we can acknowledge and help them understand that there are phonies out there. I will never defend a hypocrite, but neither should you. Hypocrites give Jesus a bad name and they give the church a bad name. And part of our mission in reaching people for Jesus is to deal with the issue of hypocrites so people don't blame Christianity for unchristian people. Listen, you don't blame the medical community for what a witch doctor does, right? Witch doctor is a false doctor. Why should you blame the Christian community for things that false Christians do? But here's the problem. You can't tell the difference just by looking at them. Right? Like we don't have our ushers trained at the doors to scan for hypocrites. Like, you're a hypocrite. To the parking lot. Right? Right? We don't have a church jail where, where if, you, if, if, you, if, you, if you ping our hypocrite scanner, we just throw you in church prison. Right? right? You can't tell the difference by looking at somebody. Oh, you look like a hypocrite. Oh, no, it doesn't work that way. You can't tell the difference by looking at the outward appearance. Jesus explained this in Matthew 13. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. And while the man was sleeping, his enemy, somebody say his enemy. enemy. While the man was sleeping, his enemy came and planted tares in the field. You know what a tear is? It's a weed that looks identical to wheat. It looks exactly like a wheat plant. Exactly. It is an imitation of the real thing. And when it was almost time for the harvest and the wheat began to sprout, people noticed that his wheat field was full of tares. And they asked him, why don't we just yank up all the tares by the roots? And he said, no, because if you do that, you'll damage the wheat. Leave them and I'll separate them when I come and take the harvest. People wonder, why does God allow so many hypocrites in church? Listen, if God came and yanked up all the hypocrites by the roots, it might hurt a lot of innocent church people. Jesus said, I'll take care of that when I come back. And church, he's coming back soon. There are hypocrites in the church. According to this parable of Jesus, they're in every church. But the time is coming, and it is coming soon, when Jesus is going to sift out the wheat from the tares, and there will be a separation. But until that day comes, the wheat and the tares have got to live together. Well, how can you tell the difference? How do you know the real from the false? Jesus said in Matthew 7, 16, you'll know them By their fruits. You see, the tear looks exactly like the wheat. It just doesn't bear any fruit. How do you know if somebody is a Christian, what kind of fruit do they bear in their life? Because anybody can come and play church on Sunday morning, but you can't fake fruit. You know them by their fruit. If you want to know if somebody's living for Jesus, look at the fruit in their lives. Does that person bring you closer to Jesus? 
How do you feel after you've been around them? Do they make you feel good about serving God or going to church? Or do they make you question everything? Are they loving and kind or are they mean and hateful and rude? Are they humble or do they walk around like they're better than everybody? Do they love Jesus or do they love drama? Let me give y'all some advice. Don't get caught up in the drama. It's no coincidence that Jesus used the word for an actor to describe the hypocrites because the hypocrites love drama. They don't care about what God's doing in the church. All they want to know is what everybody else is doing. Oh, boy, they spend their time gossiping and stirring up trouble. Listen, hypocrites will lure you under false pretenses. Let me tell you what he did. Let me tell you what she did. Let me tell you what they did so we can pray for them. <laughs> Talk about them for four months, and you ain't prayed not one time. Busted. Uh-huh, don't get caught up in the drama. Uh, 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 an elderly pastor was walking down a sidewalk one day, and there was a little boy, a short little fella. He was trying to stand on his tippy toes to, to touch a doorbell, to ring a doorbell in the house. So this kind older pastor, he, he walked up the steps, and he said, let me help you, young man. So he rings the doorbell, and he says, all right, son, now what do we do? He said, preacher, now we run. <laughs> Don't get caught up in the drama. People will let you down. Hypocrites will hurt you. But remember that Jesus is the one true example. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. And when your Christian walk is built on the foundation of Jesus, you cannot fall. You cannot fail. He is the way, the truth, in the life. I've heard people tell me, I just don't want to go to church with hypocrites. Listen, I would rather go to church with them than to go to hell with them. Yeah. Hypocrites are creeps and don't let a creep keep you from Jesus. Amen. Amen. Will you stand as we pray this morning? Lord, we just thank you, Father, for today. God, I just thank you for this beautiful day and for waking us up this morning, Father. Lord, I just thank you for this message. Lord, I just pray right now, Lord, for healing of anybody that has ever experienced a hypocrite that brought damage to the Father, that made them question the church. Lord, I thank you, Father, that you just bring healing to someone that needs healing from hurt from a pastor, a church leader, a congregation member, Father. Lord, I just thank you right now for healing that broken heart, Father. Lord, for it not turning into bitterness and unforgiveness, Father. But, Lord, that right now they release that hurt to you, Father. And they give it to you. And that they see that it wasn't you that hurt them, but it was man. And they let it go, Father. Lord, I just thank you for bringing healing to anyone that needs it, Lord. And, Lord, I pray for anyone that may be a hypocrite this morning, Father, that lives one way and comes to church and lives another way, that isn't an example for you, Lord, that, that takes people further from you and not draw them to you. Lord, I pray right now that you just convict their heart, Father. Lord, don't let them go another day 
live in the way that they are, Father. But Lord, may they surrender their life to you, Lord. And may they be the example that they need to be to others, Father, that draw people to you, Father. And Lord, I just thank you for forgiving us, Lord. If at any point we've been a hypocrite, Father. Lord, I thank you that you show us areas in our life that we need to grow in, that we may not be showing the best example of you, Father. Lord, open our eyes and let us see those areas, Father. Let every word that we utter be pleasing to you. Let us not be a stumbling block, Father. But God, let us help people to, to know you better. Lord, that when we walk into a room that people don't even question if we go to church, but they know because your presence radiates through us, Father. God, let us be the example that you've called us to be, the vessel. Lord, those that draw people to you, Father. Lord, remove the world from us, those desires. And God, give us a heart that wants you more than ever before, Lord. God, give us a heart that's willing to sacrifice friends, relationships, whatever it may be, Father. Give us a heart, Lord, that says, God, I want you more than anything. I want to be the example. I want to be the vessel that draws people closer to you, Lord. And Lord, I thank you for obedience today. And God, surrender. Lord, we surrender our life to you, Father. Lord, we give you our life today. And we thank you, God, for using us. God, thank you for using us to win the lost. To be examples to this dying and hurting world, Father. Let us not give hell praise. But God, let our life be a reflection of heaven. And Lord, I just thank you, God, for using us mightily, Father for that revelation of things that we need to change. And that when we walk out of here today, that we are not the same. That we let it go and we surrender to you, Father. That when we go into our workplace, when we go into our home, God, that that spouse sees you radiating through us, Father, and not the devil that walked out that morning. God, use us to be an example for you, Father. And Lord, I praise you. And I thank you, Father, that this morning somebody has, has let go of that unforgiveness. And they've given it to you, Father. And Lord, I thank you for healing among the church, Father. God, I thank you for just healing those that are broken, that have been hurt, that have had a hard time letting it go. God, this morning I thank you that they release it to you in the name of Jesus. And God, that they serve you and not man, Lord. And I rebuke the enemy right now that has captivated so many minds and has given a sour taste of church to people. God, I thank you for freedom of that, Lord, and for just healing in minds right now and hearts. And Lord, we praise you and we thank you and we give you glory and we give you honor, Father, because you are a good, good Father. And Lord, we praise you and we thank you, Father, for our life being an example for you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I know this message was a little heavy, but I hope that it also brought healing to some that needed it.
Because we've all probably been hurt by somebody in church, by a church leader, by somebody that's sitting near you. I know that there's been, I can testify to it, and I know I'm not alone. But just know that God loves you and that people are people. And just forgive them. And let it go. Because it's hindering your walk with Christ and not theirs. You holding on to it is the hindrance for you and not them. And this morning, if you haven't accepted Jesus to be the Lord of your life, I want to give you that, that opportunity to make him the Lord of your life. So if you will, everybody bow your head and repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I believe in you. Save me. Set me free. Forgive me of my sins. Be the Lord of my life. And with your help, I'm going to live for you the rest of my life. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.